Welcome to podcast number 37 for Thanks for Your Service. Thanks for Your Service is a news and information resource and its focus is on historical topics relating to the Australian military. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for Thanks for Your Service. Our website is www.thanksforyourservice.net and you can email us at info at thanksforyourservice.net. A very special podcast today as we have the honour of talking to a World War II veteran and one of the last Coast Watchers, Jim Burrows. Jim takes us through his experience as a Coast Watcher in the Pacific Campaign as we learn more about the Coast Watching organisation that had a significant impact on operations in that campaign. This is part one of a two-part interview with Jim. Joining us on the line from Melbourne is Jim Burrows OAM. Jim, thank you so much for joining us today. Now, if, if I can start off in terms of a question, what were the Coast Watchers? Well, thanks for that introduction and, uh, and the opportunity to uh, have a talk to you, to you David, uh, which, I, which I welcome. Um, the Coast Watchers uh, were a body of uh, men that were recruited by a naval, uh, not many people realise, but they were naval based by a naval ad- admiral, uh, Eric Felt, F-E-L-D-T, who in, uh, when the war started in the 3rd of September in Europe uh, 1939, um, he was uh, destined to wander around uh, the various uh, ports of call in Papua New, New Guinea to um, uh, re- recruit several sorts of people uh, who were mainly in administrators, district officers, plantation owners or uh, plantation managers and even miners um, and supplying them with a telephone uh, radio set and also teaching them Morse code. Now um, that was with the start of the Eastern War in uh, Europe but um, predictably uh, or normally uh, time passed by and uh, that body was laying dormant for two years until uh, in 1941 December uh, the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbour, hence um, starting the Pacific War, in which case the um, the Coast Watchers immediately became oper- operational. But um, with that in mind, the uh, the purpose of the organisation was to uh, form a, co- a cohesive body to alert Australia of any military threat from, threat from the north. It's not generally known, but the uh, government in its wisdom, the, the Australian government, uh, in mid-1941, and bearing in mind that's six months before Pearl Harbour, had deemed it necessary to um, send up... Uh, a contingent of troops to uh, form a uh, what was called a, a, a Malay barrier surround uh, and include uh, Timor, uh, um, uh, I forgot the other one, uh, round to uh, Port Moresby and uh, and um, Lark Force in in Rabaul. 
to protect it from any threat from the north. So it's interesting to know that mid-41, this was deemed a, uh, uh, a strategy uh, which the uh, government undertook. So with that background, uh, a contingent of 1,485, call it 1,500 soldiers were um, shipped by uh, out of Sydney uh, right up to Kaviang uh, uh, in New Zealand, New Ireland, and uh, New and Rebel in New Britain to have a defensive force. Now, coupled with that, they had a that included a a team from the First Independent Company of commandos who had developed. Uh, Warfare in the in the uh, jungle and, and opposition territory of 250 uh, 273 men uh, to to join the uh, defensive force uh, up up to re rebel. So we've got the situation where uh, the total of 1,500, um, uh, including the commando. Those that weren't called commanders at the time, but they were later deemed in in that role. And I'll come back to uh, more more on that that later. Jim, all this is happening still at a stage where we are not at war with Japan. Absolutely, as I men just mentioned, this was all in uh, six months from about uh, April May before Pearl Harbor. So. Um, <clears throat> it was quite strange that, um, uh, that that was foreseen by the government uh, with their mid midway d delay. Now, um, at this stage, uh, I might just mention that um, whilst in my latter days of, of age 98, my main mission, and this is why I appreciate uh, talking to you, David, um, it's this... Uh, uh, my last mission is basically to let sp specifically all the Australians um, know of and be proud of the role that the Coast Watch has uh, played during the war in actually um, turning the tide of the war, of the, of the Japanese war, which had been so successful as they thrust down from Japan to China, Philippines, uh, Malaya, Singapore, and into uh, Australian territory, in, into to uh, into into a rebel, mm. and um, basically, uh, and there'll be more detail on that later. But basically, um, there were two coast watches that sighted um, a, sh a, uh, a ship flotilla of Japanese with five thousand troops on board sailing down from through the Solomons to uh, literally walk into uh, the Port Moresby just as they had done uh, with uh, only a, a few lost in a skirmish at Rebel uh, that would have been uh, just a, 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 uh, an easy task to just walk in and have all the facilities at Port Moresby which mm. of course was the uh, uh, the front doorstep to uh, to uh, a possibility of a, an invasion into Australia, 
just uh, 80 k's uh, south of uh, south of Moresby. Uh, getting back to the two um, um, coach watchers that spotted the convoy and let them know, uh, let headquarters know in Townsville. The Townsville uh, headquarters uh, sent out nine battleships, uh, which were seven of them were American and two were Australian, to um, confront the enemy in what later became known as the Battle of the uh, of the Coral Sea battles, where uh, neither party saw each other. Uh, it was all done by um, aircraft carriers and and bombers uh, uh, bashing the hell out of each other, uh, which they did. Uh, but fortunately, the the uh, Allied fleet of nine, which included incidentally two uh, two Australian warships, but. Uh, Obviously, it also included about seven of the of the uh, flotilla from from Port Pearl Harbour, which somehow managed to patch themselves up and get over to to Australian waters. But mm. anyway, uh, they turned the uh, Japanese round, and the Japanese had to return to to rebel. Uh, absolutely. Uh, defeated. Let's hear your story. When did you join? Coincidentally as it turned out um, I had two brothers uh, 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 who were already involved in the war. Uh, The elder brother Robert um, was in the flotilla that went up to uh, up to uh, Rebel in in April in in that force um, to be uh, captured by the Japanese and put into a uh, a prison ship, and uh, which, which sailed to Hainan uh, Island in China, but uh, was sunk uh, by an American submarine outside uh, Luzon in the Philippines. So I'd uh, I'd lost my elder brother. And um, my other brother was a twin brother, born the same day as I was, but I was the, I was the baby. And because he joined the um, uh, Air Force cadets, he was immediately called up, so he was involved. That's all just background to say that I had two brothers already in the war. My, my parents wouldn't sign up the papers to join because I wanted to do so. And um, I had to wait uh, another year or two when I turned 18 and um, uh, they couldn't prevent me then from joining the AIF which getting back to the point of your question was coincidentally um, just one week before the Japanese arrived in in in, in Rebel so I joined the um, I joined the uh, AIF in January 1942, a week before the Japanese invasion of, of Rebel. And from then on, I had um, six weeks learning Morse code. I had about a year and a half with the uh, land headquarters, which had the only link with Moresby uh, when the, the Japs were about uh, 30 miles uh, north of uh, Port Morsley, and then um, we were moved up 
<coughs> as we were, were relieved by uh, the lovely lady Awas uh, troops. Um, there's a call for six volunteers. Now there's an old adage in the army is never volunteer for anything. Indeed. So I can lay hand up with my hand um, with the two brothers already up there. I couldn't put my hand up quick enough to volunteer on a secret dangerous mission, which they wouldn't nominate. And it uh, turned out that um, I became a member of the uh, US fleet, which uh, is an unknown <laughs> possibility. Um, but I joined uh, them in the, U the US 7th Fleet as a, uh, with a coast watching party for, for nine months. Um, it was abandoned after that, um, and then we were immediately, to answer your question, immediately transferred to the, uh, for me to become a coast watcher, which uh, I had um, gained access to because of that yeah. US participation, 43. Yeah. So when you joined in January 1942, where were you at the time? Um, uh, in Melbourne, uh, working for a... Um, uh, a firm of chartered accounts as, as the office boy, which reminds me that the day I joined, um, there was about 60 of us standing around, and some burly uh, sergeants uh, said, the hands up those who have worked in an office or a school teacher. And uh, I put my hand up because I was an office boy. So stand over there, the rest you're infantry. <laughs> <laughs> By sheer, sheer luck, um, I became, uh, little did I know, but that was my opening threshold to become a coast watcher uh, about a year and a half later. So you joined a recruiting office in Melbourne, you joined the Australian Army. What about your recruit training, your basic training? Where did you do that? Uh, we did that um, at, the, at the six weeks, walking in from Camp Hill in, near Melbourne, walking into us, into uh, into the RM, RMIT to learn our Morse code mm. uh, and then at week, weekends and during the rest of the days we'd learn um, just some basic uh, uh, but nothing nothing spectacular just exercise and what have you certainly uh, no unarmed combat and things like that mm. which later on I did when uh, we were uh, based in um, the Coast Watchers were based in 1943-44, at a place called Tabragalba, a farm in um, up there, when we learnt uh, unarmed combat and uh, all sorts of uh, uh, hard stuff, we'd get in a truck and go down to uh, to service paradise and practice landing in rubber rubber boats. Yeah. So that was the uh, length of our training. But I. Uh, I'd probably find it necessary to get back and say that the main mandate of, mandate of, uh, of the Coast Watchers was not to get caught, not to confront the enemy to the extent that they uh, don't accede to these requirements uh, they would have been failures and uh, it's very sad to say that of the roughly 400 uh, uh, what Coast Watchers, 10% um, uh, of them uh, uh, during the war were uh, caught 
killed, captured, tortured, mm. killed me. One was uh, uh, beheaded on the beach at Ida New Guinea. Yeah. And um, they, uh, uh, it, it was all based on the fact that um, with, it, with that background, uh, I've got to say I never met a Jap. Uh, if I'd met a Jap, I wouldn't be here uh, talking to you now. Uh, so um, that, was the, that was the background of our... Mm. training and our general um, attitude and requirement in the war. When you, when you underwent basic training in Melbourne, were you then allocated, was it Signal Corps that you joined? Yes, the land headquarters, the main, the main uh, grasp of, uh, of the war, war contact with the uh, troops up in New Guinea and mm-hmm. in the Trail. So you joined, you essentially, you joined the Australian Army, January 42, you've done your basic training, you're, you're part of the, 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 the Signal Corps. In terms of that nexus of becoming a Coast Watcher, what happened with that? Was, were the Coast Watchers a separate organisation? Were they known as the Coast Watchers then? As I mentioned earlier, the Coast Watchers had been formed in 39 and, and came into operation... Uh, uh, in 40, uh, uh, 41, uh, in fact, uh, yeah, late 41 when the Japanese were invading Rabaul. R- so um, that was the uh, that was a time frame uh, which had been filled in by my other operations as in the land headquarters, David. Mm. But did you volunteer? For, were you when you joined the Signal Corps back in Melbourne? Did you volunteer for the Coast Watchers? Did someone come to you and say, no, do you... knew nothing about them whatsoever. Mm. It was pure chance. I didn't mention my other twin brother had been uh, in the cadets and called up and uh, he was shot down over a bow um, in a, in a Beaufort bomb I never heard of again. So uh, I'd already had the two, my two brothers lost uh, anyway. But um, getting back to your question, I had no idea whatsoever of the Coast Watchers, had never heard of them, and uh, it was only uh, by the passage of time and sheer destiny, unknown to me at the time, that I uh, found myself a Coast Watcher in '43, having served other time with the land headquarters and the uh, US 7th Fleet. So with with land headquarters, where were you based? What part of Australia then? Based in Ringwood, uh, um, Melbourne, and then moving up to uh, to um, uh, to Brisbane at the St Lucia uh, University ground ground conditions, which were just being built. So that's where I that's where I served at time. Uh, in 1942-43, you're working for land headquarters, and then Correct. in 1943, you become a coast watcher. Correct. Tell us about that. Every, How? What, what was the process in becoming a coast watcher? Uh, with a coast watching party uh, who'd been uh, annexed to the Americans, and uh, I spent my time during that nine months mainly um, on... Uh, uh, entries into in a um, lovely PT boat dashing up and down uh, to islands and uh, 
places which were likely uh, Japanese held to test out Japanese strengths if applicable uh, but, and also mainly to find out the attitude of um, the poor natives because uh, natives under Japanese occupation were cruelly treated mm. and were uh, by de facto were had become pro uh, pro Japanese so it was always important and later on uh, I've got a perfect example in uh, when I was on a submarine but uh, didn't uh, but I uh, I didn't uh, lose my life at all there so that was uh, the that's what we did in the nine months with the coastwatching parties that's how I learned about them that's how I joined them straight away when uh, the Americans were disbanded. And when was that, uh, Jim? That would be in uh, uh, mid-43. Prior to that, you were still a signaller, so you were assisting the Americans. Um, yeah, with the Morse code. And, I, still and remember, I still remember my Morse code, da 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 Etc. <laughs> you never forget. So, so you're 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 still in the signal call. You're helping the Americans. You've seen the coast watching parties, and you join them in 1943. Where were you at the time, and what special training did you undertake to become a coast watcher? As I mentioned before, we had no no uh, special training except uh, on the job itself. Um, and, uh, you may have read the story about. The PT boats uh, that were one of them that uh, were crashed by a Japanese and uh, uh, with JFK, the uh, mm. future pre- um, US pre- president. Uh, president, yeah. So uh, we had no special training other than in act- in uh, uh, not combat, but in uh, in functioning uh, with the um, with the Americans with the American Navy uh, and then the other training taking place when uh, between between um, uh, places where we served where I served where uh, uh, at the farmhouse that's when we did other training and where was the training Jim? in Tabragalba a farm near Canungra in yeah. in the Bow Desert area in Queensland, and that's where we used to uh, also, uh, apart from unarmed combat and more radio training, we would uh, hop, uh, catch, a, get an army truck to take us down to uh, uh, Surfers Paradise, which was barren in those days, and uh, we would learn to land uh, in the rough waters of. Uh, in, in rubber boats and the beaches of surface paradise that's the podcast for today you can find the relevant links to the podcast on our facebook page and jim's blog can be found at www.thelastcoastwatcher.wordpress.com we're keen to hear your feedback leave a comment on our facebook page and if you're listening to us via itunes or other podcast apps please leave a review If you're interested in support of this podcast, you can support us via Patreon. The link is www.patreon.com. Thanks for your service. Your support helps us with the production of this podcast. 
Thanks for listening.